with everything going on that's taking place in the life of our church, the prayer assault yesterday, now the numbers weren't large, but it was powerful. And we had some great reports of God's breakthrough. We had reports of people who, even though they didn't go, were still praying. And we know that we're taking this, I think, as seriously as, as any human group can and realizing the importance of it. You know, God's put us on a move to really take this region. Can you see a of that? You know, we have been studying and living in this very important theme, abiding in the Lord. We're going to continue to do that, to abide in the Lord. You know, I was talking to Pastor Mike about our, we have our, you know, our high school and middle school out there. Now, can I report to you, first of all, we have lost not one of our youth. Can you see a of that? So far as I stand here today, I think they're all coming home. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, it's been so amazing. Uh, he was telling me they haven't yet had you know, the kind of salvation message that you would expect. Uh, but yet they've already had several of the young people receive the Lord in their small group interaction. That's like really way cool. Can you see a of that? That's the kind of thing you want. Out of discussion and sharing, people receiving Jesus. You know how important that is? When's the last time you had a conversation with someone and shared Jesus? When's the last time that you actually took a step out of your comfort zone and got to know someone new and said something like, hey, Leo, I want to hear your story. I mean, anyone who looks as good as you do, you must have a great story. I mean, Leo, has, he does have a great story. He's lived this really interesting life, and I bet you have it to sit down and, and hear all that God's done in his life and what's taken place, the good and the bad, and, and all that's happened, the, the, the amazing things with Royal Rangers and, and how he served. See, I want to challenge you in something as we learn to abide in the Lord, that we learn to break down some walls and barriers where we take another step with people to really show that, you know what, I'm interested in your life. I'm interested in bringing Jesus. And that's going to happen something beyond Sunday. There's something God has spoken in my heart, and I'm going to say more about this in the weeks ahead, that we need to break through of just being a Sunday church, but realize there's six other days in the week that we need to serve. Can you some men of that church? I think Obadiah brings some reality of, of what that means. Obadiah. How many of you even know, did you realize there's a book called Obadiah? Now, here's what I want you to do. Turn your table of contents. Unless you've got one of those electronic devices. Because not one of you is going to find Obadiah quickly. Unless you're used to it. Because Obadiah, we are going to look at an entire Old Testament book in one service. Can you see a minute of that? And the only reason we can do this is because Obadiah is only 21 verses. Hallelujah. <laughs> it is an absolutely amazing book of Scripture. 21 verses that are so... I, after going through all the studies, I realized I could do an entire month on Obadiah. There's that much information in there. Obadiah is one of those kinds of passages that it is so unbelievably relevant. I was looking at the reports of what's happening to Israel right now. The Gaza battle that's taking place and what's going on with Hamas and um, Israel. Can I tell you right now, as you read Obadiah and you read about Edom, you could, be, you could easily exchange the word Hamas in there. And the very word that is spoken, because the battle that is, I mean, that Obadiah is like opening up a newspaper and reading current events and hearing from God. 
That's how powerful this book is. Obadiah was a prophet from Judah that, that was directed by God to bring a very powerful word. I'd like for you and I to look at some of this, and the worship team is, because we're going to take a pause in this message to really reflect on what God's saying. I'm, I am sensing to do something a little different today, and I warn the team that um, we're going to, and I'm going to warn you, I am going to press forward in having a service that worships God, and maybe it's a little bit different, a little bit different. Are you okay with that? See, some of you really woke up. In verse 1, we have heard the message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Get ready, everyone. Boy, isn't that a contemporary word? I'm reading from the New Living Translation, whatever translation you're looking at, it's all going to say about the same. Get ready. Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom. The Lord says to Edom, I will cut you down to size among the nations. You will be greatly despised. Right away, we come to Obadiah and we begin to see that he helps us understand, and the word really brings this to reality over and over again, who is the enemy that we face. See, I want to challenge you on something because I, I believe we've messed up the definition of who is our enemy. A lot of times we have defined an enemy inappropriately because our enemy are those who have hurt us, who oppose us. I want you to know that there are people who oppose who we are. It doesn't necessarily make them an enemy. It makes them someone who really needs Jesus. If anything, it becomes more motivating. There are people who would like to stop us from doing what we're doing. You know, we feel misunderstood, we feel misjudged, we feel misused. And anyone who does those things must be our enemy. And of course, the battlefield is Facebook. Oh, you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right? You've been misjudged. Someone has said the wrong thing. And you pull out your weapon, the iPhone and you turn to Facebook, and you begin to move as fast as two fingers or however you do your, your texting, and all of a sudden you begin to do this amazing battle on Facebook to declare yourself and do as much injury as you can to win against evil. And can I tell you something? You are so wrong. <laughs> Matter of fact, may I encourage you, there's this thing where you press down on the iPhone, and then all these X's come up, and then you X out Facebook. If you can't control what goes on in Facebook, X it out. Can you say amen to that? Oh, no, some of you are not saying amen to that. <laughs> you see, there's something that becomes very clear. I find myself waking up in the morning, and I, I, I tell you, I don't think this every morning, but a lot of mornings I wake up and I think, all right, the day's ahead. I'm going to be in a battle. I'm just going to work. You know, when I go to work and I have, I have a business that I also operate, I, I, pastor as a church, uh, I pastor a church, 
and either in either direction when I am going to work and I'm on the way to the office, there are times when I am pranked. I got about a 20 minute up to a 40 minute drive, depending upon where I'm going. And during that time, do you know what I'm doing? I'm praying and thinking, God, I'm about to face a battle. Give me strength for whatever's going to come my way. Be with me in every appointment. Be with me in each situation. Help me have wisdom. Help me to bring the love and the presence and the truth and all the amazing things that I know are resource that I've learned in your word to whatever I'm about to face. And I realize that I might face some opposition. And the opposition is going to be Satan. More than anything else, we're going to face an enemy. I mean, the fact is, life can be a battlefield, and you need to wake up to the fact that there's a war going on. You don't always see the war, right? It's, it's, the scripture tells us there's invisible, invisible. There's the invisible right now that is in battle, and, there's, and don't let that like freak you out, because there really is an enemy, and the church ought to be very careful. I've, I've had people actually say something like, well, the devil, I'm not sure he really exists. It's a theory. It's a philosophy. It's an ideology. And I want you to know he really exists. Now, you might think, well, am I battling the devil every time? No. You're battling evil every time. It just feels like the devil because there's so much evil going around. Look at the world we live in today. I mean, the result of a fallen world that we live in, there's things like Ebola going on, a terrible disease that's taking lives. I was reading the article of Franklin Graham's uh, ministry, a Samaritan person, two uh, amazing people now are battling for their life because they contracted that disease. That's a battle. When I think about what's going on in Israel, that's a battle. When I think what's happening in your cane, that's a battle. Does anyone look around at life and feel like, wow, it feels a little bit overwhelming? Or is that just me? There are times when I, I just, I, I, I literally, I know this weekend, I, I was very busy doing a lot of things, but I intentionally stayed away from the news. Matter of fact, I was driving into church this morning, and I said, so Lois, what's on the news right now? I mean, I like watching the news, but I haven't, I, I just, it was actually kind of refreshing to not hear about all the death and the dying and the fighting and the economics and all that was going on. We are in a battle. And we are facing an enemy. I like what C.S. Lewis, if you haven't read C.S. Lewis, he's written like over 100 books, amazing author. He was talking about the devil, and he wrote, C.S. Lewis wrote that we often fall prey to two equal yet opposite errors concerning the devil. Sometimes we take him far too seriously. Other times we do not take him seriously enough. And you know what? The devil's happy. He's happy if you're preoccupied with him all day long, and he's happy if you hardly give him a thought. I mean, the devil just is absolutely thrilled when we don't think about him. And he's even more thrilled when we think about him too much. And that becomes part of the battle, because let me tell you something, the devil wants to do everything he can to stop you from seeing Jesus. And if you are seeing Jesus, he wants to do everything he can to stop you from enjoying Jesus. He's out to defeat us. Right. Now, Obadiah tells us that, and we're going to see in a moment, there's this huge battle going on. But here's the end of the story. Now, turn to the last sentence of the book of Obadiah. 
verse 21. When you look at that, it's very clear. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Say that with me. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. One more time. And the kingdom shall be the Lord's. So here's what I know. That in the midst of everything that we might face and all the battles and the warfare and all the things that come against us, when it's all said and done, here's what Obadiah is declaring. I'm giving you the end of the story. God reigns. God wins. The kingdom is going to come, whether you like it or not. <laughs> as bad as it can get, as frustrating as it can be, and I, I got, there are some days I wake up and I go, Lord, I've even started the day, I want to start over again. I, but I come back to this thought, wait a second, your kingdom's going to come. You are going to win. And it's okay. Someday I'm going to be with you. Someday this is all not going to be a worry. And there's going to be something that's going to be so amazing to be in heaven with the Lord. As believers, don't lose that. Don't lose that hope that it can be so tiring fighting a battle and going through what we do, and yet keeping a fresh perspective, realizing at the end, God will always win. Even if it feels like it's not happening. And that keeps me going. There are times when I feel like, all right, you know what? You can come at me full force, but God is going to win. I already know the end of the story. Obadiah said, God's kingdom will come. Our Lord reigns. Can you say into that? When you read Obadiah, you realize that Edom is a very important part of the picture of Obadiah. Edom is... Uh, a group of people that did battle against Israel. And understanding how Edom came about is critical. In doing that, we turn to Genesis 25. And Genesis 25 tells us really the birth of where, if you will, Israel and where is it that Edom come from. We understand that it all began with Abraham and Sarah but they had children, and something was established, and I want you to hear this. As great and as awesome as we reflect about Abraham and Sarah, they were a dysfunctional family, and we studied them in the past. They had a lot of challenges to overcome, just like you and I. Abraham wasn't a great man right away, but he learned and he grew in, in who he was, his relation with the Lord. And we come into the, the process of all that with his children, and we have really these, these two that come about because here we're going to look at two brothers who are going to not get along so well. Can you imagine two brothers not getting along? Anyone who has siblings understands this kind of story. And so you have here this, this amazing story where Isaac and Rebecca, mom and dad, their story alone is just, there's not enough time to go into it, but if you remember the story, it took them a while to get together. And when they finally did come together, Rebecca was unable to conceive. She wasn't able to give birth. And so what did Isaac do? He went to God. And God brought about a miracle. And that miracle came not just with one, but two boys. 
And you remember the birth of, uh, of Jacob and Esau, twins. And Esau came out first, and you remember the story? Jacob was what? Holding his heel. Get back in here. I want to be first. <laughs> and they were already battling. I was just imagining the battle was, was something that was going on in mom's womb. Can you imagine that? I, I've talked about some of our, our young women who are pregnant and getting ready, and, and they talk about the baby's movement. Can you imagine two kids fighting each other inside you and how active that would have been? I'm going to see Jacob and Esau just kind of wrestling with each other and, and going, going against each other. So we come ahead at a point in time when they're really young men fighting over birthright. Genesis 25, verse 29 and following. I'm not going to go through all of it. But one day, Jacob was cooking some stew, making dinner, basically. Esau arrived home from a wilderness, exhausted and hungry. Remember, Esau was kind of a wilderness guy. Jacob was kind of the, you know, stay at home, be a businessman guy. Both were... Both had their problems, both had their you know, negative and positive, good and bad. Esau was kind of a rough guy, though. He, he really was known, a little bit rough. And he, so he says to Jacob, I'm starved. Give me some of that red stew. And in the Hebrew, the red stew is Edom. That's the translation. Edom means red. So it all kind of comes from this amazing, but this is the birth of, of what's about to take place. All right, Jacob replied, but trade me your rights as the firstborn son. Give up all of your claim to property, to authority, to leader. Give me everything. And, and, and so Jacob says, he says, well, I'm dying. Uh, Esau says, I'm dying of starvation. What good is my birthright to me now? Like you couldn't wait, you know, another hour to have dinner like some of you. So you come home and dinner's not ready and you just blow up. You know, it's like you can't wait a few more minutes, right? Your blood sugar's low. Esau was really up in all that was going on. So Jacob said, well, first you must swear that your birthright is mine. So Esau swore an oath, thereby selling all his rights as the firstborn to his brother Jacob. Jacob gave Esau some bread and lentil stew Esau ate the meal, got up and left, and look what Scripture says. He showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. There it is. The beginning of what would be a battle between two brothers. Because have you ever made a decision and regretted it? Have you ever like, signed the document for a loan and you walk away going, shouldn't have done that? Too late. Or perhaps you went and you bought that car and you drove off thinking, I'm not sure this was the best decision of my life. And you realize, and, and here's what I hear people say to me. You know, I should have prayed first. I, I, I could have talked to God first. I should have read the Word first. And then somehow they hope that something's going to happen later on to make up for a really bad decision. Has anyone ever had that kind of feeling going on? Don't have to raise your hand. Probably be easier to say who hasn't ever had that, and of course no one would raise their hand at that point. You see, you realize Esau's problem was, I mean, I want you to nail this down. He already was not walking with God, and he already had some problems going on from very early on. This decision was the result of a whole lot of other decisions that he did very poorly. 
Here's what I've learned about you and me, is that a bad decision doesn't just happen. It's a result of a whole lot of other bad decisions and not learning to keep Jesus as our focus. See, a lot of us blame God inappropriately for something that it's really us. So Esau's going to have a really bad moment here. And so he is now, I'm, I know feeling a little bit bad, kind of perhaps wondering, but yet there's also this other part of him is going, I, I could care less. What's the big deal anyway? Birthright. You know, I can, I, and I want you to see his self-sufficiency. I could hear him saying, oh, that, that's not a big deal. I mean, Jacob, he's kind of a wimp anyway. I'm, I'm a man. I'm, I go out and I hunt and I fish and I, I can take care of myself. I don't need no birthright. I'll be fine. I, don't, I'll, I'll, I can handle it. Until the day came when his dad was about ready to die and a blessing was about to be spoken. Now if you jump to Genesis 27, you can read more detail about it, but let me just draw out one little point. The, the, the time comes because dad Isaac's about ready to pass away. Rebecca, mom, thinks, okay, here's a chance for me to sneak my son in. Now remember something, there's a dysfunction going on in this family. Rebecca favors Jacob. Isaac favors Esau. And let me tell you something. Both boys knew whose favorite they were. And in this culture, being dad's favorite is a whole lot better. Because who passes on the birthright? Dad. Who passes on the blessing? Dad. And I'm dad's favorite. So who cares what I bought from you? Dad's going to bless me. Well, Rebecca knew that, and here's kind of the dysfunction, because Rebecca's teaching her son how to be manipulative, deceitful, how to kind of do an end run, and so the favorite son's out hunting, right? Esau's out doing his thing, and realizing that this is the time when my husband wants to pass on blessing, so he dresses up Jacob to kind of look and smell like Esau. Esau had a smell about him. And he put on that outdoor perfume. <laughs> and because Isaac couldn't see, he basically had, he was legally blind. We would call it, he was legally blind, couldn't see, had no idea who was in front of him. And so the younger son, by a couple seconds, shows up and pretends to be his older brother. And dad, you know, didn't realize it, and passed on that blessing. So he bought the birthright got the blessing, and the oldest son comes home and finds out. Now, your big brother just found out your little brother did it and run around you. We all know what happens. Big brother beats up little brother. Big brother gets a little upset. But look what he does. It's interesting. Because in Genesis 27, 38, Esau runs to his dad and pleads, but you have only one blessing. My father, bless me too. And Esau, the big, strong, powerful guy, broke down and wept. I'll tell you something, it finally got to him. What his arrogance and his pride finally got to him. And look what dad says, verse 40. You're going to live by your sword. That's what you've been doing all along anyway. And you will serve your brother. Big brother has just been told by his dad, a word from God 
you will serve your brother. Esau was not crazy about that. And the battle starts. There were moments where they had a truce, but the fact was they would not get along and they will fight and battle. And I want you to know from Esau came the Edomites. From Jacob would come the Israelites. And to this day, those people are fighting. If you think, why and where did this all happen? How could two people so not like each other, living next door to each other? It's kind of like your neighbor. Ever had a neighbor that doesn't like you? And the battle ensues. That's one of the biggest problems I hear about in the world we live in today. Well, that's what happened. And the dysfunction continued. The unhealthiness continued. Here's what Obadiah is saying. You know what? Even with all that, there's still hope. See, I hear this a lot. Well, I don't know if it's going to do any good because my family of origin, how I was raised, where I came from, well, I don't think there's any hope. If somehow real change is not possible, can I make something clear that Obadiah is making clear to you and I? There is hope. There is a way through. There is a way to overcome. You and I can live differently than our parents. We can live differently than how we were raised. Who you were doesn't mean that's who you are today. Can you say a minute of that? You know, the New Testament reinforces that so well. And it tells us that there's this principle of liberty and freedom from bondage. Sin is no longer your master. Instead, you will live under the freedom of God's grace. Here's what I can tell you. No matter how bad it was, by the power of God, it can be different today. Really. The scripture tells us also that the Holy Spirit's power is what enables us to overcome and live for him 24-7. Because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. How many of you come from a background or a home that you don't want to relive in your life? You look at your family of origin. Go ahead, leave your hands up. And you look and you realize, I don't want to repeat that. I am not going to repeat that. All right. I come from that kind of home. I come from a home that I do not want to repeat. I don't want to see it happen again. What's my hope? Is it going to be my cleverness? my intelligence, the behavioral changes I'm going to make, and all those kinds of things. Let me tell you the hope I have. The power of God can free me and deliver me, just like he can free you and deliver you to live a different life. And you do not have to, nor is it predestined, that you're going to make the same mistakes your parents made. You can live differently. I don't care how bad it was, how dysfunctional, how much drugs and abuse and arguments and anger and neglect. 
I don't care how much all the dysfunctional kinds of things where people were so disengaged, no one cared about anyone, or you were so enmeshed that you felt so controlled and overwhelmed by all the things that went on. By the power of a risen Lord and Savior, you can live life differently. Let me say that again. You can live life differently. And I don't care how old you are or young you are, you can live life differently. If you choose to bring the power of God in your life. Now, you might need some help in applying that, right? It's kind of like a computer program. You, and a lot of us wish the life of Jesus was just plug and play. But I have a few programs that are plug and play, and I still am not using them yet. <laughs> and I bought them a year ago. I need some help to learn how to use the program. And so we might need some help to learn how to use the program. But can I tell you right now, there's freedom. Does anyone here feel like you're in bondage? Don't raise your hand. But you feel like you're in bondage to the past because of how you were raised? I mean, you feel like you're a little bit trapped and, and here's how you know, because you kind of feel like you're making the same mistakes your parents made, or you feel like you're reliving in your home what you sort of had when you were growing up. And you, and you know this inside. You, you might not even say it in so many words, but you know inside, you can feel like, and it's almost like you go, wow, I'm just like my dad. I'm just like my mom. And I don't want to be that way. And then a resignation falls in, like Esau, well, what's the use? Who cares anyway? What's the big deal? But for you, it is a big deal. I want you to know that God right now can bring freedom and deliverance. Right now, this very moment, if you'll let him. You want to experience the freedom and the power of God? See, that's what Obadiah is talking about, that there is freedom and power and deliverance that can come. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Just in the quiet of a sanctuary, with your eyes closed for privacy, your heads bowed in reverence and respect. And if you're here and you go, wow, pastor, is that possible that I can experience liberty I could get on the road of deliverance. I don't have to live this way. I want that. I want to open the door for you to let Jesus and the Spirit of God to come in and start an amazing work right now. right now. Go and start talking to the Lord just quietly under your breath and invite him in to bring about this deliverance and liberty and freedom. Right now.
Now, if you want, and you're praying that, again, with your heads bowed, I'm going to ask you to do something else right now. Just raise your hand where you are. And, and let me know, I am praying for the deliverance. I am praying for the change of what God would do in me right now. And you want to clearly invite Jesus in to do a miracle work. Raise your hand. And leave it up. You're not going to be pointed out, but I want you to acknowledge that need right now. Just raise your hand. Because God's going to do a miracle work right now. I want you to know I have prayed hard and long. Leave your hands up. I want you to know there's a power right now to do this absolutely amazing, miraculous work, but it's not going to happen if you don't acknowledge it. Raise your hand. Just put your hand up. Do me a favor and just put your other hand up. Just in kind of that praise to God. So you have two hands raised to the Lord. And in that, you're just acknowledging right now, God, deliver me. I want you to know right now, this place is just full of the presence of God that will deliver us and free us. It's not anything I'm doing. It's all about what the Lord and the Spirit of God is doing. And you're asking, God, liberate me. Change me. Renew me. Strengthen me. Let something happen that would be so absolutely different than what I've known. I open myself up with my hands lifted to you to let the power of your Holy Spirit come in. And Lord, do a miracle work. Renew the way I think. Change me, Lord God. Like your scripture tells us, we can think differently. Our heart can change and we can feel differently. Our behaviors can change. We can respond and react differently. It doesn't have to stay the same. But by the power of a risen Lord, something new happens. Something new happens. Receive what God's doing right now. You need to receive it. Let something break in you. You know, it's okay to cry. It's okay to just feel the... Because the when God releases, there's something that happens so powerful. This is so strong in what God does. Lord, we're amazed at the power of what you do. I pray, Lord God, I pray, Lord God, that we know who you are, understand what you can do, and a miraculous thing will take place.
For those of you that have raised your hand, I want you to do one more thing for me. We need to pray for you. Okay? Just stand where you are. Come to your feet. Just stand up. You're going to be a lot of people around you. Don't worry about it. You're not alone. Just stand. If you raise your hand, stand. Praise God. Now, is there someone standing by you? I want you to move to them and put your hand on them and start praying for them. Go ahead, just you that are still seated, you're going to get involved in ministry right now. And you're going to ask God to break through and liberate. So just stand next to a person and start praying. Just ask God to do a miraculous work. It's okay to even move around. Let God use you. I don't want anyone standing alone today. Start praying. Ask God to break through. Be bold in your prayer. Let God use you right now to do a work of deliverance because he's doing it through you. And the minute you've placed hands on that person, something's happening already. Something very powerful takes place. It's not you, but the Spirit of God. It is a breakthrough in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God. And we thank you.